Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, how are you doing? Welcome back to Confessions of a 30-something Drama Queen. And this week I am back and better than ever ever. September is moving faster than I do when there's a far-fetched sale. Libra season is finally here. My 31st birthday is hot on our heels. And dare I say, I'm feeling better than I have in a very, very, very long time. Even every single planet being in retrograde hasn't managed to fully grind me into the ground, which is bloody impressive when I think about it. Like, have you seen how many planets are in retrograde? It's really something. Anyway... So after the last two episodes, which quite frankly, I am close to deleting because I just shouldn't moan at that level to thousands of people in one go. Um, This week, I just want to go back to doing what I do best, which is being borderline chaotic uh, in a way that I hope helps someone, even if it's just making them feel slightly more sane. Like, I hope someone out there is like, whoa, I thought I was a total moron, but then there's this girl and now I don't feel so bad, you know? So today we're going to go into my dating 101, my dating lessons, uh, just my opinions on dating in general, seeing as I know you all loved episode two so, so much. Uh, And that was just one lesson. So I'm about to hit you with a whole lot. Um, Some groundbreaking and some not, but just, you know, 30 minutes of me being chaotic. We love it. When I say dating lessons, I think it's more going to be like my rules for dating, some good and some terrible. Um, Don't follow them, but just enjoy them is the general consensus of this episode. Uh, Also, I have had two coffees today, which is not normal for me. And I currently have the shakes and I'm about to hit my like, I need to go take a nap phase of having the two coffees. Like my body just cannot handle it. So if I just switch halfway through this episode, (laughs) it's because I've hit the coffee wall. But anyway, I'm going to try and make it through for you because I have been looking forward to doing this episode for a long, long time. So let's just jump straight into it. Uh, For those of you who are just joining us, let me quickly catch you up. So at 27, I became single for the first time in 11 years and I was, excuse my French, fucking clueless. Like it was terrible. 
I think I can speak for everyone that has watched me for the past three years when I say it was total chaos. Um, I actually jumped into dating straight away and the reason for that is twofold. One, I had an abundance of free time to fill and the Friday night frights were too much for me. Like a few hours with my own thoughts? I do not think so. No thank you, sir. And number two, I was slightly concerned that if I left it for even a month without jumping back into dating that my anxiety towards it might be so bad that I would never ever do it or that I would do it but I'd maybe throw up a few times before and I just did really didn't want that and my emotions have fully shut off after my breakup anyway so straight away was as good a time as any for me but yeah whilst I wasn't scared to jump back into dating and I wasn't really feeling much I was clueless and no one made more mistakes than I did and whilst it did not always make for great experiences I have got some brilliant, bordering on terrifying stories, some of which I can't tell uh, because they're just inappropriate for public consumption. And some I can't tell because I once dated a guy so terrible that the fact that he still lives and breathes actually scares me. Like it sounds like I'm making light of this, but I have to because otherwise it gets sad because it was actually very serious. And yes, the fact that I just said dated, implying that he was in my life for more than one evening is even more concerning. But what can I say? 2018, the year of bad ideas. But whilst it was a record year for bad decisions, eventually I got better at dating and figuring out what I wanted and slowly started to make better choices and fine tune what I actually wanted from a potential partner. And looking back, I think it was one of the best collective experiences of my life. Like I learned so much and today I'm going to be sharing a few of my learnings, which will probably not be groundbreaking with you. But hopefully entertaining. So without further ado, dating 101, here we go. And where I want to start is non-negotiables. And this starts before you even get on the apps, before you even get to a date. And by non-negotiables, I do not mean he's got to be six foot 12 with blonde hair. No, no. Your non-negotiables are your non-visual attributes that you are looking for in a potential partner. I am a big believer that once you find someone that ticks these non-negotiables, they'll probably be hot to you anyway. Plus, looks fade, but character lasts a lifetime. And that is the hill that I will die on. So some of these you'll get more of a feel for on the date rather than before in the talking stage. But I would start with deciding what your non-negotiables are before you even start looking for a partner. Um, it's hard. And like I said, maybe you'll get a better feel for some of them on the date. But there are some non-negotiables that you can find straight away. Like, you know, you need to decide, like, do you want someone who is religious? What characteristics or qualities do you want them to have? Do you want them to have kids or not have kids? Do you mind if they've been married before or not been married? What living situation would you ideally like them to have? For me, non-negotiables mainly come down to personality and character, but there are a few other things that I like to throw in there that are very specific to me and what I know I like in a person. I'll get onto character in a minute, but let's start with some of the potentially really obvious uh, and kind of borderline superficial ones, because for me, they're the most fun and they're the most controversial. Like when I sit down with my friends and I talk about non-negotiables, some of these people really agree with and some of these people are like, why do you care about that? So I really like talking about them because I always think it's really interesting to see who agrees and who doesn't. But for me, just as a starting point, like they have got to have a steady job. Like I get if you're younger, say you're just leaving uni or whatever, it's different. And depending on your industries, 
that you work in, I guess it's different. But for me, my work is a very important part of my life. And in my potential partner, I need them to be well matched to me. It's probably also due to me being like hyper independent, which I'll actually talk about more throughout this episode because it really factors into what I personally prefer to have in a partner. Like I am looking for a partner in life, you know, and to me that means someone who is very equally and well matched to me and will always be by each other's side supporting each other. So I like them to be in like a similar life stage to me. And I guess your job is a big part of that. So in addition to that very, very obvious one, which I think a lot of people will be like, well, yeah, obviously. But some people really don't mind about that. Um, Another really obvious or potentially obvious one is that they also need to be able to drive. And I don't mean have a flash car. Like they don't even need to have a car. But the ability to drive is a must for me. Um, It's terrible and I sound like a job ad, like must have valid clean driver's license, but it's an important skill to me. Like what do you do if we're on a trip and I'm driving and then I get sick or something? Like they can't just take over from me and get us home. What about in future if I were in labour and I need to get to the hospital? Like, am I out here? Like, am I out here getting a bus? Am I driving myself? Like, it's a no from me, dude. I need someone that can like level with me and split that responsibility with me Um, I know that over time people can learn to drive and this is another one that if you are younger it's not going to matter in the same way but for me as like a 30 borderline 31 year old woman if I were dating now it would be like an absolute non-negotiable and for me when I started dating when I was 27 it was kind of a non-negotiable for me I also just found it really attractive because I've been with someone for 11 years that didn't drive so yeah it just factored in on multiple levels in the beginning it was just very attractive and now it's just a non-negotiable it's funny some people judge me for the driving license one but I've had it before I've been someone's chauffeur and I am just not down for it coupled with the fact that if you are the chef in your relationship like 100% of the time you basically can just end up feeling like someone's mum and it's probably one of my biggest icks is like feeling like you're someone's mom. We'll get to that in a second. Um, And like I said, I'm hyper independent. And yes, I know it's weird and it concerns a lot of therapists, but I do need someone that's like on a similar wavelength to me. My next non-negotiable, do they like football or do they love football? A very weird non-negotiable and it's very specific to me, but there is a reason and I'll, I'll go into it because we have no secrets here. But Basically, it's me being really petty from my childhood experiences, but my dad worked full-time during the week and then part-time he was a referee and he did all right. We even got to watch him on TV a couple of times and he just loves the game like and in his youth he lived for it like loves it but he'd referee and train for refereeing on weeknights and then he'd like be doing the matches on weekends and Christmas and bank holidays and boxing days like you name it he was doing it so that was when I was quite small and then as my brother got to like football playing age he joined a team and my dad was the coach and then there was training and there was more matches and my baby brother is like the star of the bloody show and this is part where my hyper independence comes from because I'm just left to my own devices like Matilda at home making pancakes um I'm just kidding I actually couldn't make pancakes but I was eating Nutella out of the jar with a spoon on a regular basis and that's a real tangent but my point is when all of that was done it was being shown on the tv and you just couldn't 
escape it. Like my whole childhood revolved around football and depending on the match and how it went it then dictated my dad's mood and back in the day Liverpool weren't doing very well and it was just horrendous he's a lot more chilled out now thank god like his golf game just pisses him off sometimes but he's not so bad he's chill so the love of the game really consumed my childhood and I vowed at a very very young age that I would never be with someone who lived and breathed football like that and I have mostly stayed true to that when I started dating I let it slide for a bit only for this belief to be very quickly reinforced so I've stuck to it like 90% of my life. I tried to be open to it, but let's just be honest, enough of my life has revolved around football and I'm old enough to choose now. And I like my partner to be well balanced. Like they can enjoy it all they want. Crack on, honey. Go and watch the Brighton game. Love that for you. Five aside, love that. But if they choose the game over me, it's an ick. And if they're big into it in like lad culture and drinking culture, major ick. Again, we'll get onto icks in a second, but that football culture, like that real football hooligan culture, not into it at all. Massive, massive ick. My very niche, non-negotiable and ick aside, they have got to have good chat. When you're in the talking stages, you know, they've got to be entertaining to talk to and have good chat, but also not be a psychopath, like not too much chat because then it's just like borderline love bombing. And also I don't like it if they chat too much, like especially during the day, because I just think you should be like committed when you're at work. Um, And it's always a little bit of a red flag to me if they'll spend their whole day like trying to speak to me. Like I like people who like to do a good job. That's very attractive to me. So good fun chat, but at an appropriate time, which I feel like has turned from being really generic to slightly specific. But I think that sums me up really like generic... (laughs) unoriginal but quite specific about things but anyway I guess the latter brings me to non-negotiables that are for when you meet face to face um I actually didn't intend on going into this right now because I wanted to talk about the apps before we talk about dating but I'll go back to it in a second but my non-negotiables when I meet people in person are number one they have got to be kind and I feel like you can only really get a feel for this in person they also need to be emotionally intelligent this is like probably my number one thing and it's actually I would say quite rare in our society it is like finding a unicorn but it's a really high priority for me that a potential partner is emotionally intelligent and just in tune with their feelings other people's feelings around them is considerate kind like that is something that I value above all else and it's something that I think you know looks fade but that's that's always going to be the winner for me throughout life. Going back to what I just said, are they fun? Not just on WhatsApp, but are they like fun in person? Um, And I don't mean like chaotic fun, like they don't need to be wild, but like, will we have a good time together? And that's something you really, like someone can sound funny on WhatsApp. Like I am someone that I would say I'm funnier on WhatsApp than I am in real life, (laughs) like face to face. I can't crack a joke because the situation moves too quick for my brain but you leave me in a chat on whatsapp and I can come out with some real funnies and I even to the point where I know it's funny because I've had time to like sit and think about it and I will fully laugh at my own jokes but in real life face to face not funny because my brain just doesn't move fast enough so these people might be funny on whatsapp but are they funny in real life you need to find out And no one needs to be a comedian or anything, but it's like, will we have fun together during the most adult, dull moments? Like, if we're stuck on an EasyJet flight for four hours, will I love you just as much when we get off that plane? Or are you leaving in a body bag? Very important. Need to know. 
And I guess that brings me to like, are they fairly easygoing? Like I love someone that's quite chill, um, not in a non-caring kind of way, but just if someone has like a really relaxed personality, I feel like I am basically just describing Ryan. He's probably getting really hyped up as he's editing this, but it's a quality that I love in someone, especially being quite an anxious person. I love people that are super relaxed and laid back and not particularly highly strung. I think if you're going to spend a lot of your time with someone as well, it's a real plus. Another real plus is, are they a dog person? This is a real non-negotiable for me because I love my dog so much. And later down the line, this turns into, does my dog like you? And later down the line, it turns into, does my dog like you? Because, fun fact, Shrimpy is a very good judge of character. And if she doesn't like you, it's a real red flag. I've kind of already touched on my next non-negotiable, but it's, are they career oriented? No, actually, are they passionate about what they do like I don't care if you've got like a five-year plan I really don't care if you don't have one but do you love your job like one of my best friends she just like loves her job she loves doing a good job in whatever job it is that she's doing and it's one of my favorite things about her like I just love people that love to do a good job and love what they do and are really passionate about it like they can have a job monitoring paint drying but if they fucking live for it I love that. Like, I just love people that have real passion and, like, get up in the morning and, like, just are very positive and really, like, feel something. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I just, like, love that. What I also love is a person that's, like, really chill about me having a therapist. Like, if they call it, like, that hippie shit and they don't believe in it, I am out. But if they are open to the fact that I do a lot of therapy and I will talk about my therapists a lot, they don't have to go to therapy. I don't care. But as long as they're like supportive and chill about me having a therapist and literally telling my therapist my whole life, green flag. And that kind of brings me on to, are they secure in themselves? Like some people don't like their partners having therapists because you're literally going and telling your therapist like sometimes everything that happens in your relationship and someone else is weighing in on that. Like there's a lot of partners out there that don't like the fact that they can be quite controlling and they don't like their partner like divulging their relationship to their therapist because it means that you could potentially wake up to like bad behaviour. And that has definitely happened to me before. So To me, it's very important that not only is this person comfortable with therapy, like, but they're fully secure in themselves. Um, And this is not only useful in terms of like the therapy example, but it's important for so many reasons. Like if you have got a lot going for you in life in terms of like, it could be anything, it could be a great family, a great friendship group, a great career. Like if you've got a lot going for you and your partner is not securing themselves, they will feel very jealous very quickly. Like if your partner is insecure and you're thriving in life in some way, it's going to turn sour very quickly. It really messes with some people. So they've got to have a good head on their shoulders. And when I was dating, you know, my career is great. My friendship group is great. My family is great. I've got a lot going for me. I would say I am thriving. And yeah, this was where a lot of people fell very, very short. And some behaviours really come out of the woodwork that you're not expecting sometimes. My next non-negotiable is kind of like a group of characteristics. And I guess this comes into like being independent, being caring and being a gentleman all wrapped in one because this comes into my love languages. I am an acts of service girl. This again comes back to the hyper independence and that I am going to just reference again and again throughout this 
podcast. And if you understand that I'm hyper-independent, by the way, it actually explains a lot of my anxieties, my behaviours, because it literally rules my entire life. But anyway, it fully makes me an acts of service girl when it comes to love languages. It's not a quality that I necessarily like because some people translate it to, so you just want like a maid or a slave and that's not really it, but it's someone that makes you feel, I guess, safe um, and like cared for. So on a first date, it's like someone who naturally holds those doors open for you, grabs your coat, holds an umbrella over you, anything that like just is like slightly caring and makes your life easier. And also it makes you feel special. And, you know, that is, I don't think any of us wouldn't like that. And I think for me, it helps my inner child because it makes me feel like I don't have to be in my natural hyper-independent, high-alert state if I feel like someone else is kind of like looking out for me. Um, And this is something that my current partner has been very, very good at. And so many people notice how much more relaxed and calm I was when we started dating. And, you know, we love that. We love a man who makes us feel safe. But anyway, those are my non-negotiables you know, before you start chatting and when you meet in person. But let's go back to meeting people. And I'm going to get started on the apps. And this, I don't want to sound discouraging, but I hate the apps. I hated it so much. And if you are currently struggling, my heart goes out to you because it is just rough out there. (laughs) It's so rough. But it's not the worst because I met Ryan through Tinder. We obviously knew each other at school, but we kind of reconnected through Tinder. So shout out to Tinder for that. I absolutely love it. But I know things change, like the apps go through weird phases. And for me at the time of dating, um, I know that Bumble was kind of like, you know, fully thriving. Tinder was like at large and Hinge was actually like, it was the dregs. It was people, and I'm going to class myself in this because this is how I know this, it was all the people from Tinder and Bumble that were like chronically single. (laughs) And I was one of those people. I just remember matching with all the same people on Hinge that I was matching with on Bumble and Tinder and just never talking to them because I don't even know why. It it just got too much for me when I just realised I was just matching with all the same people and realising I'd seen them like a hundred times before and we'd just match and not talk to each other and I was like no I'm so over this I also it's changed so much now like you can do like voice notes over your profile and like narrate your profile which is wild to me and I would borderline love to have a go at that just because I think it would be so so funny but actually not in a serious way in terms of dating because I think it would give me real anxiety but yeah so I really didn't like Hinge when it was in its infancy. I didn't like all of the uh, questions that it would make you answer and it just felt like everyone was just trying to be funny and I just didn't like it. But I do really love like some people when you see their Hinge profiles on, um, what's the app? Oh my God, TikTok. Oh my God, I'm really having my afternoon like brain melt. Um, But yeah, I think it's a fun one, but it was too much for me. Like there was too much pressure to like have a good profile. And I can't imagine that pressure now that it's like evolved a bit more. Um, But yeah, I did like Bumble because I think there's a certain type of guy that uh, is kind of like put off by the girls talking first. And I kind of liked that you eliminated them because if they didn't like it, then they just weren't going to download the app. And I really liked that. But yeah, Tinder was a bit of a mixed bag and 
there was a lot more choice, but it was because there was like a lot more fuckboys and then there was a lot more genuine people. But how do you separate? It was a lot, but ultimately Tinder really came through for me. Um, And it was also just like the go-to for lots of people when they were first single. So if there was someone that was newly single, chances are they were downloading Tinder. So um, it was kind of like my favourite, but... Up until the end, it didn't really, like, do much for me. And actually, Bumble didn't in hindsight either. The Most of the weird people, and I've had some weird, like, we'll do dating disasters at some point. I don't have time for that today. I'm already rambling enough. But some of the most unhinged people that I dated, they were off Bumble. So, yeah, it was a very mixed bag. You really just have to, like, not to be a real, like gen X person and quote this, but you really have to, like, keep calm and carry on with this kind of, like, situation I know that sounds so cringe, but you really do just have to like do your quota for the day, swipe, match, chat to some people, see if there's anyone you want to move off of the app, which I'll get to in a second, and then just like close in, try and forget that it exists. Um, there was also Raya, Raya, whatever it is, but absolutely useless. It's just like a flex for people to say that they're on it. But to come back to my previous point, get them off the apps quick. This is just my personal opinion. And I know some people really disagree with this. Like I think uh, it's quite a mixed bag. So yeah, I would move them off the apps very, very quickly once you've like checked that they're a real person um, and that they've got decent chat, obviously. Um, Because the worst thing that happens with them having your number is like you have to block them. Like if they do turn out to be like psychotic, just block them. You can block people on WhatsApp. You can block a number. Trust me, I have been there, done that. We'll get onto that in dating disasters. Um, And then if they are like local and you're both quite available, um, I would say like you should be meeting within kind of like two weeks. That's my personal opinion. But I don't like to become someone's like pen pal that they just kind of like write to every day I know that's such a cliche thing that everyone like on TikTok talks about now but for me I kind of felt like it was a bad sign if someone was just like almost like telling me their life story and how their day was going and talking to me throughout their entire working day and then really not committing to meeting up like something is not right there are they just looking for validation I don't know, but I think it's a good sign if they kind of chat to you and then want to meet you. Like, it's a good sign, surely. Like, Ryan and I took, I think, just over two weeks to arrange a date, but that was purely because our schedules weren't aligning once we did discuss it. And before that, I think it was also because he was trying to pick, like, a really smooth way to ask me out. I haven't fact-checked this, but knowing him the way I do now, um, I think he'll probably confirm this is 100% a correct assumption because that's what he's like. He likes to, like pick his moment and do things in a really smooth way and in all fairness when he did it was very smooth so we'll give him that but yeah coming back to having them on whatsapp like i said i don't really like to have people on multiple apps and one place i really don't like to have someone that i am like dating or in the talking stage or any of the early stages on is instagram i really don't like it i think you should keep that as a safe space for you um or even just like have a dating profile that you like Lots of my friends have this where they have like two profiles and they'd have one where they posted like all of their stories or like really rogue photos, which I guess now you can just use close friends. But um, at the time, I just really liked to have everyone off of my main social media, which was slightly easier back then because I had Hello October and I had Susie Bernaldi, whereas I just have Susie Bernaldi now. So it would be harder. But fortunately don't have to worry. But ultimately, I liked to keep my social media as a safe space for me. And 
I just feel like if they're a creep, it kind of gives them a bit too much access and too much information. But also it allows them to be a bit lazy with communication, which I really don't like. It's like one of my pet peeves, which actually happens a lot in my life because so many people in my life will just watch what I'm doing on Instagram and like YouTube and stuff. And then they kind of don't check in with me because they have seen what I'm up to and they just think they know everything when actually I show such a small snippet of my life. And yeah, I personally really don't like it. I know it's personal preference, but especially in the early stages, I like to like keep them off my Instagram if possible, especially if you have a fair few followers. I don't know. Um, But I know that's kind of niche. But I also think just for like safety reasons and stuff like that. But I will talk about like in depth why I find it so creepy in the future because it overlaps a dating disaster and I've had a really weird situation that revolved around Instagram. So um, yeah, we'll talk about that in future. But it's also dependent on the person. Like I fully let it slide for Ryan because he had known me for so long that he already knew too much like we met I think for the first time when we were about 14 13 14 so I knew a lot about him he knew a lot about me we have very little to hide and so there's already an element of trust there like we already know each other's like families and stuff like that so it was just a little bit different but if it's like a completely new person uh it's a situation where I'd be very very careful having them on my Instagram and giving them like that level of access but anyway Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Uh, Moving on, another way of meeting people, friends. Uh, And this can be great because friends can vouch for both parties. Like, oh, you really like my friend. Oh, you'd really like this guy. And they also won't set you up with someone that they don't think is great. But warning, they will take it personally if you don't like their selection. Maybe not everybody depends on your friends but you never really know until you're in this situation so just a little bit of a warning here so many of mine have been so upset when I've come back off a date and been like nope nope absolutely not um also dating people who you've met through groups of friends that one can be really messy and if it doesn't work out it can ruin your entire friendship group or it can actually split it in two which is as bad been there done that it's never recovered so tread carefully there people and then we also have face-to-face meetings which weirdly I know lots of people say it just doesn't happen I have had it a ton weirdly lifts lift situations are a big one I don't know why people tend to be really confident in a lift but I've been asked out many times in a lift it's really weird um actually a lot of the time in the US as well which is also really strange but 
I've met people through other weird situations. One person I went on a date with was my landlord's son and he came to inspect my property. We only went on one date and it was all very uneventful, but ultimately very handy because I got my whole deposit back, so I was winning. But yeah, you can meet people face to face. It is harder, but I genuinely believe if you're like quite open to it, it will happen. But if you're kind of like very anxious and like struggle with like chatting to people it is harder like you have to really put yourself out there if you want to meet someone face to face and weirdly I know people go to bars to try but I actually don't think it's the place like sometimes I think the places you're most likely to meet someone are the most like random places like it will be when you're like out shopping somewhere when you're in a coffee shop when you're just like in the park like a couple of our friends met walking their dogs how like very 101 Dalmatians vibes. I live for it. Like, if you are open to meeting someone, I think you can meet them in person, but it takes a lot more effort and not rejection, but just, like, lots of times you'll, like, chat to a stranger and they obviously won't ask you out. And I don't mean, like, chat to strangers, like, just go up to everybody, but, like, some people just have it, I think. Like, lots of my friends have it where people just randomly start talking to them. I think sometimes maybe you give off a vibe I don't know. But yeah, if you just naturally get talking to someone, like say you're on a train and it's delayed, like there's always someone opposite you that you end up chatting to because you're like, this train hasn't moved in like 45 minutes. Actually, did I meet someone that way? I think I did. Anyway, um, well, unlocked a real old memory. That's so strange. Um, But yeah, back to what I was saying. It is harder, but if you are open to that kind of situation it could happen. But anyway, that was a slight tangent. I didn't intend for that segment to be that long. But these last two points bring me to my list of do not dates. And some of these I have learned the hard way. So do not date work colleagues. They're friends, yes. Friends of work colleagues, yes. But anyone you can't not avoid, it's a no from me, dude. Your friends' exes, too messy. Friends of family members, family members of friends, it can get so messy, guys. Like you have to factor in the chance that it could go very wrong and you have to almost assume that the probability of that is high and risk assess that. And are you comfortable with that? Are you happy with the connecting relationships you have going south if that doesn't work out? Um, Also, don't date around within a friendship group. I think I just kind of like said that earlier. It's a terrible idea. Oh, and no neighbours. Not even I am stupid enough to get involved in that one. That one is so awkward, especially if you're in like a block of flats. Don't do it. No one needs that. And I know that might sound like we're really shrinking the pool of people, but trust me, if you don't like an awkward situation, you don't want to go there. You want to stick to these rules. If you don't give a shit about awkwardness, crack on. Crack on, honey. You do you. Okay, next up in Dating 101, we have pre-date do's and don'ts. And I'm going to keep this one short and sweet because uh, I just am. My brain is tired. (laughs) Do eat something. Even if you're like me and you bloat like crazy, for the love of God, guys, please eat something. Like, even if it's just some cheese and crackers, eat something, especially if you're going on, like, a drinky date. If you are going on a drinky date, do keep it to, like, a minimum amount of drinks. Don't get hammered, unless that is, like, something you love to do and your date potentially loves to do, in which case, crack on. But... If you're not a big drinker, don't get absolutely wasted on your date. And if they're not a big drinker, I don't know. I kind of like to match people. Maybe I'm a morpher. Oh, God. 
I feel like I'm maybe realizing some things about myself I didn't know. But like, I don't know. I know. Do you like do what you feel most comfortable with and what is authentic to you? But I like to just like on the first time meeting someone, keep it quite civilized and not go too crazy. Like date two, you know, go wild, go nuts, do whatever it is that you feel most you doing. But, you know, first dates sometimes I think are just purely for making sure that that person is not absolutely psychotic. So, yeah, don't get absolutely hammered. But if you are drinking, please do eat something. If you're feeling anxious, do call a friend whilst you're getting ready. It will always make you feel slightly more normal, slightly more relaxed. um, And they can kind of hype you up if you're not feeling great. And this kind of leads me on to my next do, which is if you are literally so nervous slash nervous excited that you are not sure what the hell is going on in your brain, (laughs) go for drinks or dinner with your friends before Uh, if you're nervous or after if you're like just doing like a quick two drink meet up make sure they're not psychotic kind of vibe do something with your friends before or after and I've done this with plenty of my friends my friends have done this with me because they are great like I love that support network when you're like in the early dating phase it's one of the best bonding experiences and some of my best memories like my pre-game before my first date with Ryan we all went to like an Italian restaurant half of my friends had gone to like Spice Girls or something or be at one the night before and they were hanging out their asses. I was just like so nervous I thought I was going to be sick and it's just like a really fun core memory for me now so it doesn't matter if the date tanks because you are still making like nice memories around it and they just will like fully chill you out and they are then nearby if the date starts going horrendously and you need someone to come and save you. Also, if you are really nervous, I know we're just, I'm fully working my do's and don'ts around being anxious, but I know from speaking to you guys that that is quite often the vibe. Um, If you are really nervous, it is fully okay to say, oh, I've got something that's come up with work. I really would like to see you, but please, can we just do a couple of drinks um, and keep it quite chill? And then that kind of means that you can like almost like check your watch after like a couple of hours and be like oh I should really be getting back now it was so lovely to meet you and even if you have really enjoyed it and you would like to stay longer I think sometimes keeping the date shorter and sweet is actually like nice it kind of leaves you both wanting more so you could do this whether you are feeling nervous or you aren't just literally say like a coffee or just a drink and then you've got like a plan after like it's fully okay to just lie I love a white lie or a full-on lie. Um, (laughs) Fun facts about me. But I think it's okay to say, oh, I'm meeting a friend after, so I can only say for one drink. It doesn't matter if you're meeting a friend after. You do whatever makes you most comfortable. So moving on to my don'ts. I don't have a lot of don'ts, but my first don't is don't pre-drink too much. Like if you're having a glass of wine whilst you're getting ready, that's cool. I actually didn't used to pre-drink before a date, but I actually can't drink that much without just being off my face. So I didn't, but no judgment if you do, because I was so nervous before I went to meet Ryan that sometimes I think a shot would have done me some good. But if you are feeling those vibes, keep it chill. No one needs to be turning up to their date absolutely hammered. Unless you want to, in which case, you do you, boo. Don't I don't judge. And then my most key, like dating, what is this? Dating advice, dating rule. Don't worry about what you're wearing. If they are going to like you, they're going to like you regardless of your outfit. Some people have already really decided before the first date whether they like you or not. I honestly just used to wear 
what I felt comfortable in. And that is my number one piece of advice is wear something that you feel comfortable in, wear something that is authentic to you. There is no point if you have a very casual style, if you like never wear makeup and like just getting completely dressed up in a way that isn't you, because I just think it's nice for someone to like love you for you and for you to, the first date really sets the expectation of what is to come. And I wish that everyone would feel a bit more comfortable with just being their authentic self on a date. Um, I think it's something that girls don't do enough. Men are completely comfortable with and women are just like, almost like trying to make people love them. And I say this because I was fully that kind of girl in the beginning. And yeah, so wear what is authentic to you, wear what you feel comfortable in. Um, my go-to was generally like a little kind of dress and trainers. I just loved trainers so much. I generally would just go with that all the time because especially Brighton is so casual. I guess it depends on where you're going for the date, but Brighton is very, very casual. So it was kind of easy for me in a way. It was almost dictated by my city but um yeah I loved a jumper dress as well like in the autumn oh my god a jumper dress and boots absolute go-to any kind of like long sleeve dress boots long sleeve dress trainers I think for my date with Ryan I was wearing just like a little kind of like crappy bodycon dress it wasn't even like particularly flattering I think I was just so nervous but I wore a like giant sweater over the top of it like a giant white sweater and then some trainers it was really low-key and I love that because I just feel I felt so comfortable in it and really chilled like I love a big oversized sweater they make me feel very comfortable in a situation where I'm nervous like I put my hands inside my sleeves and I'm basically a walking woman child but yeah even when I was dressed up dress and then like an oversized jacket just something that I could almost like hide in if I was just feeling slightly uncomfortable but also it was kind of true to my style and I would say even now those things are true to my style and they're generally just what I wear out all the time so yeah just whatever is most authentic to you but make sure you're comfortable in it. Now on the date rules. I really struggle with small talk. This is a fun fact about me, which some people will be shocked by because I obviously have picked two types of long form media, which predominantly involve talking. Um, but I actually really struggle uh, with small talk. Uh, it's why I have a podcast that's basically me bearing my soul because I can do a deep, meaningful chat better than most, but I can't talk about like how my day has been <laughs> for more than like 60 seconds. Like it just... I just can't do it. I don't know what it is. But um, if you struggle with this too, my heart goes out to you because it can be really rough when you're dating because predominantly first dates, especially sometimes even second dates, that's what you're doing is small talk. I always come back to my first date with Ryan, but, but it was it's a core memory. It's so iconic to me. I actually remember like I got to the point where I couldn't do any more small talk and I was so nervous the whole time. And I just got to the point where the gin had kind of hit and I just snapped and I was like, I need to ask you some really personal questions <laughs> and I'd love to say that I didn't sound like that but I did sound like that so he can vouch for that but it got to the point like where I was like I just need to ask you some there's some things like about our like gaps in our history I need to know I've got to ask you like we've got to have the DMCs um, and from that point on the date was like a flying success but if you struggle, my heart goes out to you. And sometimes you need to just like fully lean into the fact that you can't do the small talk as much as it might make you 
seem a bit weird. Like I am a bit weird. So this comes back to what I say about just being your authentic self. Um, But also this is a big learning for me in terms of dating and my whole dating experience is it is not your responsibility to carry the conversation on a date. So one thing I learned to do like halfway through my dating life was leave space for the other person to talk and to fill the awkward silences. And if there are too many awkward silences, then maybe that is a sign that it's just not the vibe. Like when I was first dating, like the real early times, I used to carry the entire conversation on my back. And eventually I realised I actually wasn't getting a good feel for the other person because I was just talking non-stop I wasn't getting a feel for who this person was like and how can you really like someone or really attach to them if you don't know who they are so yeah that's why I love a deep meaningful chat as well because it allows me to really connect with someone that might be borderline unhealthy but anyway we're going to move on because I've talked about that enough my other rule for dating and this is one that took me a very long time to get a grasp on shamefully is don't dull yourself or dumb yourself down And early on, I used to do this a lot. And this comes back to men that are not secure enough in themselves. They, I I just felt like on first dates, I could feel as soon as I talked about my job, like it's obviously a very interesting job, but we all kind of know that it's like a very lucrative job as well. I'm very, very fortunate. But that combined with like the fact that I could afford to live on my own and just various things in life, like I could just feel some people like backtracking and early on it like almost stung to the point where I started to really dull myself down and it took a long time for me to come back from that and really like just fully lean into myself, who I am, like I'm very smart as well, like I know I, know I, I kind of do it online, I really dumb myself down a lot but I'm also very smart, like I love reading, I'm actually very nerdy as well and all of those things combined together, I felt like it. some people did feel very intimidated and it's a, it's a very specific type of person that like meets me and is like, I'm fully on board with this. <laughs> um, coupled with the fact that I can't obviously do small talk, it makes for a very interesting slash chaotic first date. Anyway, enough about me. There are some men that really struggle if you are very smart or you earn a lot of money or you, I don't know, just depending on what your life circumstances are, if they're not secure in themselves, it's hard. And I think a lot of people, including myself, end up dulling themselves down or dumbing themselves down. And it took a long time for me to come back into being like, yeah, I love reading and yes, I love my job and yes, like I have all of these amazing experiences and yes, I can afford to live on my own. No, it's not my parents' house, like all of those kinds of things. But yeah, it took me quite a long time. I would say in the last six to nine months of dating, I really started to lean into who I was and stop dulling myself down and it felt really good. And actually my confidence was a lot better because of it. Splitting the bill. Okay, so this is going to be real personal preference. And it also comes down to personal finances in some instances. But these are my kind of general thoughts. One, if they offer, that's very nice of them. Thank you very much. I will never argue that. I know some people will. But whilst there is still a gender pay gap, I will never say you should say no to a man offering to pay the bill. 
reminder that if they pay the bill, you owe them nothing. But in fact, if I do say a firm no to someone paying a bill, it's a bad sign. If I pay and leave whilst they're in the bathroom, that is the worst sign and that has happened. However, that being said, as nice as it is that someone um, offers to pay the bill, in my situation as someone who is like quite financially comfortable, I will always still offer to go 50-50 if they haven't like specified. Like some people straight away are like, oh, I'll get this. And I'm like, oh, that's really nice of you. Thank you very much. I'll get the next round or something like that. Or I'll get the drinks in the next place or I'll get the next one, you know, anything like that. Some people will then be like, no, no, my treat, my treat. You know, everyone is quite different. But yeah, I do try to take personal finances into account a little bit. I will never fully expect someone to just constantly front the bill. But I would never say no to someone that offers to pay the bill, especially not in this economy. Free dinners are great. Um, <laughs> oh, some people are going to really hate that I've just said that. But I do just think as a general human interaction, um, I offer to pay the bill for my friends. My friends will sometimes offer to pay the bill for me. And it's just nice. And sometimes it's kind of rude to argue that much if they act like you're going to owe them something that's a no from me dog that's never okay did i just say that wow that's a no from me dog anyway um it was meant to be dude but okay you don't owe them anything but someone to offer to pay for something i don't think is something that we really need to get super aggy about i know some people do but i'll have a free dinner the only time i think it's a bit awkward is if they've asked you out and specifically like planned the whole thing, picked the places and you haven't been able to have a say, like maybe it's a surprise or whatever, because I just think in that case, the person that's like arranged the whole thing should pay the bill because I think it's unfair to pick like a place that you don't necessarily know the other person can afford. And then to expect them to go 50-50, I find that a bit awkward. So that's the only time when I would actually be quite shocked if someone didn't pay the bill but ultimately other than that I would go case by case basis that kind of thing but we don't have to say no to people paying for our meals like might be controversial but that's the pill I will probably die on my final rule is screw the rules kiss them when you want text them when you want sleep with them when you want if someone likes you then they like you there's very little you can do to scare them off but like with my rule for during the date of leaving silence to see their behaviour. This applies to after the date too. So I will pay attention to what they say and when they say it. If I really liked them, I'll text them the next day, but I always leave a little bit of time to see if they message first. I think in the early stages, it's a good sign if the guy seems a bit more keen because us girls, we tend to accidentally put attachment and expectation on a relationship a bit too early. Like it takes a lot of practice to not do that. We almost get a bit too excited and a bit too ahead of ourselves. Like I think girls get into guys way quicker, but can then drop off once they kind of like realize that the reality is not matching their expectation. But for guys, they don't go into it with any expectation. So it takes a little bit more time for them to really fall in head first. So if they text you first, like after a date and they seem keen, for me, that's a real green flag. Aside from, sometimes it's not a green flag and we shouldn't always put too much value on it straight away because sometimes it's just people love bombing because they want like validation or whatever. And that's a red flag, which is a bit harder to spot. Um, only time can really tell with that because obviously love bombing is only 
sustainable for so long and eventually it drops off. So you kind of just have to not have expectation over a long period of time to kind of figure out where you're at with someone. And some people are also just a bit more relaxed, though I would say that's fine for like some people, but for others, it's a bit of a red flag because it's completely dependent on the individual and it tells you everything. If you're not looking for someone that's laid back, um, that means it's not necessarily going to be a great match. If your love language is like words of affirmation, for example, and you're with someone that's super laid back at like messaging, like they could be a great partner, but just be a bit shit on their phone. And if they're not great at just like communication and checking in, and you are like a words of affirmation girl, you like communication, that is not, it doesn't make them a bad person or a bad partner, but it just means that like communication is a potential red flag for like problems in the future. So just something to be aware of, not necessarily like a run for the hills kind of situation. But anyway, my final dating tip, this is actually the final one, is to have no expectation, following on from what we've just said about us girls jumping in a bit too early, so in the swiping stage, the talking stage, the dating stage, have zero expectation. If it seems good, just enjoy it for what it is in that moment. Do not visualise your future. Don't attach to an idea of someone when you barely know them. Like, don't be like, oh, they do this job and they like this. Oh, we're made for each other. Like, just enjoy the interaction, like every single interaction and experience with them for what it is and see where it goes. And um, this is something that I got really good at towards the end of dating and it changed everything. Lots of people get so attached to the idea of someone and it can kill a relationship before it even gets started. And it then makes it more painful when stuff doesn't go ahead. Um, like if that person kind of like trails off and stops chatting to you, you then feel a bit more hurt than you actually ever would have if you hadn't put that expectation on the situation. Um, I'll talk about this more another day because I truly believe expectation affects every relationship we have and it's something that we don't talk about enough. And before we end today, I just wanted to end on a lighthearted note, even though this has been generally quite lighthearted, but I wanted to end with my icks and my red flags because I I just think they're so fun and I would love to hear your icks and red flags as well. Maybe I'll put like a little box on the TSDQ podcast Instagram and we can like share it. I would love that. I think this is so fun. Um, some of mine might be a bit controversial and some of them might be boring. Who knows? But um, we've obviously established the following. Big into football culture in a bad way. It's both an ick and a red flag if they're like a real football hooligan to me. I just don't, I don't like it. Mm, not anyway if they want a woman who cooks for them have I said this before I think I might have touched on this earlier but if they want a woman who cooks for them that's potentially a big ick too like some guys on first dates were like so do you like cooking or you'd say something it'd be like will you cook for me and I'd just be like what am I your mum no go home Greg go home that's a red flag but anyway um those two are borderline red flags for me personally it depends on if they also seem like they have mummy issues as well with the cooking thing just don't love anyway before someone takes real offense to that like it's a complex situation and you can only really gauge it on the person like Ryan asked me on our first date if I enjoyed cooking but it followed him having talked about food for quite a long time so <laughs> I love him so much um, so it wasn't like a real red flag, but I did used to lie. This is another thing about me. I used to lie if people asked me. I'd say no, I couldn't cook um, purely because I wanted to see their reaction. Some men would be really weird about the fact that you couldn't cook. And then it was like, oh, so you want like a housewife that's going to cook for you? 
no, I am not your girl. And we've just fully ironed that out very early on. This is great. We've saved a lot of time. Um, so basically the green flags for me were if I said I couldn't cook and they were like chill about that. I loved that. Ryan was chill about that. And here we are. But anyway, moving on. My next red flag, and this is an L classic one, I think we can probably all agree on, is when someone says, my ex was crazy. Number one, I don't care if they were, but you don't bash your ex on a first date. You just don't do it. It's like one of the cardinal rules of dating. But two, dude, what did you do? Because to me, this often translates to she reacted in a normal, human, understandable way to my bad behaviour and then didn't give me a free pass. Big, big, big red flag. Like, girlies, you take your purse and you leave to powder your nose and you run for the hills because he is trouble. I am telling you now. Like, honestly, I have met men that are so toxic that by the end of the relationship, you understand why the previous partner was at the end of their sanity because you are feeling the same and then they're making you feel like you are not with it and you're just like no you are the problem you are the problem so yeah that is my like biggest red flag like I will actually I think now if I went back to dating I think I'd leave like I would just I wouldn't even make an excuse to powder my nose I'd just be like no goodbye have a nice life see ya anyway then we have the icks and this is one of my favorite ones if their tinder profile is them with cars I don't care if the cars are nice or if they're trash if they're theirs or if they're not, ick. Boys who wear their caps backwards and they're not skater boys, like the posh boys that do it because they think that it makes them quirky, ick. We've already established this, but boys that don't have a driver's license and are like over 30, ick. Unless they live in London, because I just think living in London is a slightly different lifestyle and we can give them a free pass. Or they have like, you know, your eyesight is so bad that you aren't allowed a driver's license, but you can like have some other mode of transport. But yeah, case by case basis. I'm not judging, but for me, it's just a bit of a unattractive thing. But based on my past experiences, I'm just scarred by it. Okay, so let me have this and let's move on. They never take their socks off even when you're shagging. And I don't care if your feet are cold, socks are an ick. Why? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know why I feel this way. I just feel very passionately about this. Someone else tell me if you have this ick, but I don't think it's necessarily like Bible, but it's just my personal weird ick. My next ick is having a really loud motorbike. And I understand that they're loud for the rider's personal safety. And I respect that. But as a human, I just find them so annoying and... I don't know if I could be with someone that has one. Anyway, that one's a really strange one. And actually, maybe it's not an ick. Maybe it's just the things that annoy me in the world. But I don't know. It would annoy me. Like if that if you were like revving it up in the morning outside your house every day. Nah, it's a no from me, dude. Anyone that messages you saying WID, you up or when we hang in, ick. Just ask me on a date. I am not here for these chill, nonchalant vibes. Like, speak to me properly or don't speak to me at all. Boys that call their mum, mummy and dad, daddy. And I'd be saying the same for women before anyone gives me like a double standard argument. I know lots of people do it. And if you love it, then you do you. But personally, I am not about it. Again, hyper-independent child and maybe it's just a me issue. But either way, I'm not sorry. It's my own personal ick. Ick. 
Anyway, that was fun. Those were just some of my icks. I'm sure if I actually gave myself more time, I'd think of so many more. Um, I have loved recording this episode. So let me know if you want any kind of spin-offs from this or anything more like this. Just drop me a message. Anyway, that is going to be it from me today. Follow me on at TSDQ podcast on all platforms, wherever you like to consume your updates. Don't forget to follow the podcast. I would love it if you would join me for more episodes and I will see you guys again very, very soon. Love you. Bye.